Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Carl. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, every week we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now sponsoring... I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seatbelt <laughs> sign. And the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tire? Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears. Yeah, it messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand, which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these two little clips, and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenuous sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low-income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebar Jack will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win-win, people. Incredible. We're here for another episode of uh, uh, Luke and Kyle's podcast. Well, that fucked me up. Now, I know you as Shelley, but you came up on the Zoom as Michelle. So which do we, which do we go for? So my proper name is Michelle. But my favorite name, my family name is Shelly. So, so. Okay, I love it. Well, I have a cousin called Shelly, so I'm a big fan of that name. If we want to just dive straight in, um, we're, we're all about uh, struggles against adversity. We're all about uh, hardship and traumatic experiences. But most importantly, we're about coming out the other side. We're all about what what we have done or where we were at compared to where we are now, the things we've managed to turn around. I thought I was going to be dwelling a lot more on the events, of the actual events themselves. Like I thought maybe my, my listening base would come from people that wanted to hear about somebody falling out of an aeroplane or somebody get, getting attacked by a shark. But what's transpiring is, yes, I want to hear stories from all of those people, but what I'm what what we're finding our listeners are getting mostly from this is that's the first bit of the story, but that's just the beginning. That's not the end. That's the beginning, and it's the rise out of the the ashes or the depths or the darkness that everyone is just 
fascinated with and it's giving people hope and it's opening up conversations and it's certainly making my life a wonderful place to be because of all these things I'm finding out why don't we hand over to you and um kick us off okay I, I really have I always tell people I can give you the years version or the elevator version so the elevator version is simply that probably in the first 30 years of my life I'll be 49 this year so yeah. in the first probably uh, 40 years, I'll say, my life was essentially from trauma to trauma. So for me, my story simply just started out was just an average family. I caught the 2.5 kids and the dog, both parents, all that. And my parents divorced. My mother was really young when she got married. She was like 15. I could not imagine that. Uh, and my dad was like 22. So to me, I'm like, oh my God, I would kill somebody for trying to talk to my kids that age. But anyway, uh, they divorced and my mom essentially married Satan. Uh, my stepfather was very, very evil, very <laughs> abusive, very oh abusive. Gosh. And, um, so from like the age of eight to 12, um, I lived in a home where I was physically abused, mentally, emotionally, and sexually. Oh, my gosh. Uh, in the process of that, uh, when I was 10, my mom, who was only 27 at the time, was diagnosed with liver cancer. And so here you are. You're just, you know, you can't tell anybody because you're a child. You know, you're being told if you tell anybody what's happening that they're going to kill your parent, all kind of stuff. So um, we managed when I was almost 12 to literally for our lives. Like he had a gun and he was going to kill us. And somehow my mother just managed to soothe him, talk to him. And we literally were able to escape. Nine months later, my mom died. Oh I was 12. God. So, yes. So, I think about that just as a small child, like, how resilient and strong, even at that age I was, to have made it through that portion. Yeah. So, I went on to, of course, my mom passed away. I went on to live with my dad. And, um... What people don't understand is like 12 going into 13, that's your teen years. Yeah. And then here I was, I've, I've been through all these traumatic experiences. My mom has died. I pick up from one state to go to another state, oh. to go to a new school, new friends, away from my family, with my dad, who I hadn't seen in four years. Oof. That in itself, I'm telling you, I think about all that now as an adult, and I'm like, OMG, do you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh, I really, really do. And uh, just going through one of those things, I've, it is enough. But having to go through the all of these things with the broken family, with the divorce, with the death of your mother, and then the the, the abuse as well is unbelievable. It really is. I didn't. It's, when you're young, children are resilient. They really, really are. They're they're much better with trauma than we are. Yeah. But um, my teen years was pretty much uneventful. I had a stepmother who just, bless her heart, didn't understand how to be a mother. But I made it through those years. I went off to college. I graduated high school, went off to college, only to experience, uh, it was about a month before my 19th birthday that I went through daybreak. Oh. And so 
I was raped and beaten and literally thrown in a ditch to die. Oh my. Literally. So, um, I never told anybody. Uh, I mean, my dad found out years later, but I was really good at smiling. Yeah. Even though I was dying. Well, just hiding, um, hiding the, hiding the pain from everybody, I guess. Right. And, and for me, it was like, one traumatic thing after another and it's like i could not catch my breath um like after that situation uh i ended up a couple of years later being engaged i was with this wonderful guy i was in my last couple of months of nursing school and we were going to get married and his best friend accidentally shot and killed him oh my Why am I? You're smiling, so I'm laughing. But I shouldn't be doing any of those things because it's your the thing you said about the series of unfortunate events is I I don't know what this is. I wow, wow. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm just just hitting the main components. I'm not even hitting what I call my neat things. These are like, and I was 21. Yeah, that's the first 21. So I stop and think like. You know, him being killed was very, very, very traumatic for me. And the next few months encompassed three grand jury trials. They were trying to decide if the friend was truly an accident. Was it intentional? And I was put through the ringer. Mm. There was all kind of things like he killed him for me. It just crazy stuff. And then remember, I'm in my last four weeks of nursing school, too. And so... It was so, I look at, I have a 21 year old daughter and I'm looking at her like, there's no way the type of personality she has, she would have survived. Yeah. Um, and so I did manage to finish school. I didn't want to, I just wanted to give up. I just wanted to go to bed. I just wanted to die. I was like, everything I try to do, everybody I love is taken away from me. Mm. Like. Literally, I just wanted to just go to bed. Well, it sounds and, like maybe that was the tipping point with everything that had happened. His death was the, that's it. I'm going to throw in the towel now. What, what have I got? Right. What, have I, what am I doing here? You know? Right. Because at that point, you're just like, everybody around me either dies or tries to hurt me. Oh, my God. And so it was very, very, that time period for about a year was really, really bad for me. Um, mental wise, but I just, you know, kept it just like, no, you're going to get, you know, do your nurse and you're going to get yourself back up and you're going to move on. Mm. And so I did, uh, I started what would now be a 28 year nursing career. Wow. Um, but in the process of that, I did not realize every relationship I would have after that would be abusive either physically or emotionally or verbally. Right. A lot of times I would ask myself, how am I here? I'm this sweet, kind, loving, give you the shirt off my back, chick, like do anything in the world for you. What the heck is going on with all these cray-crays? Right. Right. (laughs) Like what in the world? The, The short of the gist, as my grandfather would say, is that I just to stop and think, like, why am I here? Mm. What what's what's called? I'm the sum total. I'm like the common denominator, all of. Them. Right. 
But I still was so young, I didn't quite understand. So I would go on, I would have a son out of wedlock. Mm. He's almost 25. I would get married and have two more daughters. They're wow. 20 and 22. So wow. I have three children. And, but every relationship, my marriage, like every relationship was all crazy. Um, and so I divorced their father and, um, I ended up getting with another gentleman who literally tried to kill me. <laughs> what do you, what do, I mean, sorry, we get, we'll get back to the Halloween, but what did, what do, what did you think? What is the, I mean, cause you're not the common denominator. Like you can understand where you go with that, but what, what do you think that is? That's fascinating that you kind of, you feel like you're, you, everything is you and the way it's not, it can't be the way you are that's inviting the crazy people into your life. What is the deal with that? Well, I can honestly tell you now, and I'll have to elaborate more on that, but I got to a point where I realized we do a lot of things subconsciously that we don't realize we're doing. I realized that as a child, I could not save my mother. I'll put myself all the time, like she would be fighting with my stepfather. I would run, intervene. You can just imagine as a child, like you're going to stop a, a six foot something, 200 something man, yeah. you know, but so somehow subconsciously I picked up what I call the rescuer mentality. Right. Yes. The mentality. The mentality. It almost yeah. like if you put three people over here to the side, I would pick the absolute worst one. <laughs> <laughs> It's a common thing. It's a common thing that people are in repeat, repeat abusive relationships, you know, because it takes courage and strength to get to get out, I guess, or to to have a light bulb moment that you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to say this is my fault, all of this is my fault, but you can take ownership of the fact you're in a situation that you have got to get out of, you know. Um, you were saying something about Halloween before I interrupted you before. So on Halloween of 2008, 
um, I actually experienced probably one of the worst things I've ever been through. And that was when the man that I was with, who was angry, who was tired, who was drug induced, almost beat me to death. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, to the point that I had amnesia. Oh my gosh. Literally to the point, like, and it was a slow progression. Um, it was like a subarachnoid hemorrhage in the brain. And so this happened on a Friday, but I didn't lose my memory till Monday. Oh. So it literally whatever was happening was processing over the weekend. And on Monday morning, I just forgot how to drive. I did. Here I had these kids in the car with me. I was like, I thought they're probably my kids, but oh. I didn't. It's like it happened in an instant. Oh, my gosh. What did you yeah. what did you do at that point? What did you how well, did what happened? Well, according to the the story that I've been told because I don't know, um is that I told them that I saw a flash of light and I just didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know what to drive. I didn't know how to drive and that um I literally went inside and he the gentleman was there. And told him, I don't know who I am. So, um, literally, I went to the hospital. Of course, he's terrified of being found out. So, he, you know, the, the people's asking, okay, has there been an accident? Has she hit her head? Yeah. Because he had beat me in the side of my head, not in my face, mm. in my temples where it's hidden. So, um, of course, he tells everybody that I fall off the, I fell off the porch and hit my head. Mm So I'll just be honest with you. I know that there is a God in heaven. There's somebody who watches out for me because that day I was saved. I was spared. Uh, obviously I didn't die. I'm here with you. But all of these things that the neurologists were saying, my memory, and you would have to know me. I'm a, I love to teach and train and my mind is like everything. I'm a reader and a studier. And, yeah. and so all I could think about is, you know, my friends were like, please don't let Michelle lose her mind. Yeah. You know? And so it was amazing how my short term memory just came right back. Wow. And, and it was like less than a week. I was back pretty much to who I was. And, Wow. Um, the sad, the sad part of it is I stayed with him after that. And I stayed with him nearly two more years. And to be honest with you, the only reason I left was then was because I became fearful for my children. Yeah. It was them. I had a 13 year old son who, you know, was rebellious. He was watching his mom be mistreated. He Mm. was starting to speak up. Mm. And I thought if I, either he's going to kill my son or Mm. my son's going to kill him at 13 years old and go to prison. Oh, my God. So I didn't leave because of me. I didn't have enough self-love or self-worth at that time to leave for me. I left for them, which is sad. I mean, I'm glad I did leave, but it's sad that I didn't leave for me. Of course. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I definitely know what you're saying. And we've covered this... um, topic of self-worth and self-value so much in previous episodes because when you start to have no belief or faith or worth or value or self-esteem then it's very easy for us to give up 
because we're just yeah. not, we feel like we're not worth it. Or we feel, we feel like we're de- deserving of the abuse or we feel like we're deserving of having a shit life, you know? Right. That's exactly right. And I feel like for me, subconsciously, there was in my mind, like, there must be something wrong with me if everybody that comes to my life wants to hurt me. Like, what is wrong with me? Mm. And so that would proceed. Uh, after I finally left him, I went through a really, really dark period where uh, I was to the point now from the outside, people seeing I had a nice home, a nice car, all that good stuff, right? Looking good, as they say. Uh, but on the inside, I was such a wreck. Mm. And, and I, here I was, these three children. And I, all I could think about was I have this amazing life insurance policy. I have a brother in the military that's already promised if anything ever happened to me, he would take care of my children. They'll be so much better off without me. So I literally started planning and plotting my suicide because in my mind, nobody's ever going to think that I committed suicide Mm. because I loved life. I loved people. Uh, I'm very spiritual. So I knew that people, I could plan this, execute it. And nobody, I was just going to drive my SUV off the bridge and I couldn't swim at the time. And I'll just drown and people will think it's a horrible accident and everybody will be well. That was really my thought process. So tell, wow, that seems like that's the, the, that (laughs) uh, from all of the, this happening, this happening, this happening, this feels like this might be your the, your dark your or your lowest point or your darkest point tell me about yeah. tell me about what happened tell me about what changed tell me about why you're still sitting here with an amazing smile on your face ha- what happened well what happened was i had an amazing friend a guy friend that i had grew up with that i had not seen in years that come across my path and i know now that he i've told him this many times because we're friends still today he came in my life at a, at a right time mm. and was just my friend. Mm. Just And he didn't even realize. See, nobody knew I was in this dark, dark place. By then, see, I've looked at By then, I had experienced bankruptcy. I had lost a house. You know, I've got this rebellious son who's in trouble and stealing my car. And, you know, all this just, like I said, it was just, I'm telling you, I mm. got... Well, I sort of like I could write a book. I am writing a book. <laughs> but anyway, he just brought me so much joy as a friend to, you know what? If you woke up today, you still have the opportunity to have a better day. Mm. And so I just began to look around and say, okay, now what can I do? Now, I had already been to school, got my, my LPN. I had been to school and all this got my RN. I had been back to school, got my bachelor's. So in all the midst of all the hell, I still was progressing wow. on the outside. That's I was, incredible. I was a leader in hospice. So I was this big boss managing these corporations and doing well. But the inside of me. The problem is people want a quick fix. Yeah, of course There's they do. not a quick fix. If you break a pot and you have some really good glue and you know you can fix that pot back together, you don't just do this and it's together. 
it's pace by pace by mm. intricate line. You got to line up line upon line, pace up. You got to find the correct paces. Mm. And what happened was, is I had to go back and first realize that I did not love me. Mm. Now, at eight years old, when I was abused, I was stunned in that period of time. I was a broken little girl yes. on the inside. Yeah. And I tell you, the transformation did not truly, truly come until about three years ago. And I'm going to tell you exactly what I did. I literally got on my knees and I cried out and I said, God, if you're there, you exist. You have to help me. I can't do this anymore. I can't try to figure it out. I've got to figure out what's wrong and things have to change mm. because I want to live a, a great life, mm. you know, not just what people see with material things. Because one thing I know, let me tell you, material things don't make you happy. Mm-hmm. They only fix things. Mm-hmm. They only pay bills. They only buy creature pleasures, mm-hmm. but they do not fix your mind, your mm. thoughts, your imagination, mm. your heart, your emotions, mm. all that. So I literally picked up a mirror and I've done this exercise so many times when I speak. I picked up a mirror and I looked at myself and I said, Shelly, that's the little girl that's broken. I said, Shelly, I am so sorry that you have been trapped on the inside of me for all these years. But don't give up because I'm coming to get you. <sighs> oh, <it's> so moving. <laughs> And I really relate to that and I feel teary because I have a, I, I, I've had some similar situations and um, <clears throat> I lost a friend when I was a kid, which I witnessed. Um, but I also had some real emotional difficulty with, you know, some family stuff. And there's a version of me, there's a young version of me that I, I remember sitting on the bottom of a flight of stairs in my house growing up and that version of me is just on his own and he doesn't know what to do, who to talk to, where to go and how the fuck he's going to get through life, let alone the next day. And some of the stuff that we've been talking about is that it's revisiting your childhood and your your younger self and giving that giving that version of you a little hug and saying... I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Because that person that we start out to be that's so innocent and kind and full of dreams, when things come and they attack us, we become stunned. Now, our outside body don't become stunned. We grow up. But how many of us are proud? Yeah. The person that's meant to live life, that's meant to have the destiny and purpose, they're trapped. And so that day, I made a promise to me, I'm coming and getting everything that, that belongs to me. Yeah. I'm getting my, my mind back. I'm getting my joy. I'm getting my peace. I'm going to live my best life. I'm not going to worry about another man. I'm not going to worry about a friend. I'm going to focus on me. And when I begin to do the work on what does it mean to love me? That means so much to so many people. It means setting boundaries. It means having the ability to say no. It means finding out what do do you need. 
related to sleep and nutrition? And what do you need related to around you in life, the places you want to go, the things you want to do? And when I'll be honest with you, when I began to work on my heart and the inside of me, dealing with those hard things, voicing those things out loud, when I began to do that, then the part of me on the outside that was a manifestation of the brokenness. See, whatever happens on the inside takes form outside. For some people, it's drugs and alcohol. For some people, it's sex. For some people, it's gambling. For some people, it's food. You know, addiction is only an unhealthy attachment relationship to something or someone. I love my nursing license too much to abuse anything to get me in trouble. So I abused myself with food. Food was my comfort. Food was my friend. And here I found myself five foot uh, three, barely, at 330 pounds. Wow. And it was the outward manifestation of my inward brokenness. And once I began to line that up and deal with that, then my weight started falling off. Wow. Because then I started making choices for me. Yes. What do I want to drink today that will cause me to feel good? What do I need to eat today that will cause me to be full of energy today? Mm. And it just automatically, a little bit at a time. Now, by no means is it perfect. Do we have issues? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do we have bad days where we're like, <laughs> screw it, give me a Coke and a honey bun? <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. I had one two days ago. I'm like, give me a box of donuts. Turn it. <laughs> but you're taking care of yourself because you love yourself again. For me, I came out of abuse. Abuse, verbal, mental, emotional, sexual, physical, whatever. And so for me, love began with me. Yeah. How can I love you if I can't love me first? Of course. Seems so simple, right? So, when you put it like that. <laughs> it's so simple, but so hard. Yeah. And people suck at loving themselves. Yes, they do. Yeah. So for me, the journey, uh, I'm in the process of actually uh, of writing a book that is about a rise and shine, the journey to self-care and love. Oh, wow. And it's literally like day by day as I'm writing, like water. We all know we're supposed to drink water, but has anybody ever told people why they need to drink water? Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so for me, it's like the nursing's part of saying, you drink water because of this, this, and this, and this is why. Then here's you a section where we can talk about what are you going to do to make that that part of loving yourself better. Yeah. What are you going to do as part of detox and stressful thoughts to make your life better? What are you going to do this day to have the ability to say no? No is not a cuss word, but it can be if you need it to be. Yeah. So... That I'm like the first partaker of of this, this book that I'm writing because what I've come to realize, so many people I meet in my in my my uh, career, I travel for my job, and so every place I go, it doesn't matter city or state, uh, where 
I run into people who have similar stories. Yeah, of course. Or worse stories, yeah. you know? Wow, this is amazing and inspirational. And, and what we, we love to do is we'll, we'll include some uh, links, you know, if there's any anything in terms of your work or your book or any way that people can get in touch with you to hear more, then we'll make sure that we have links on the, in the copy when we publish this episode of the podcast. Um, I guess a final question, you know, uh, that my take out was just the lack of love you had for yourself after all of the stuff you went through as a kid, but then how that then translated as you grew older, the, like the relentless abuse. It, I just, I can't, I cannot imagine what that must have been like. And just to feel that you you were worthless and you had no value, but you were able to lift your way out of that. I mean, what would you say to anyone who's listening that's going through the going through the shit right now? Because it sounds like <laughs> you really did go through it. I would say first of all, don't give up. Mm. As long as you have breath in your body, you're one step one choice, one decision, one day away from having a totally different life. If you would have told me 10 years ago that 10 years ago, while I'm contemplating suicide, I've been through bankruptcy, lost my home, lost everything I had but my children. Uh, If you would have told me 10 years ago that I would live, that I would come from nothing to be living in a nice two-story home, driving a nice vehicle, my children all through high school, working, living their lives, that I would have lost 100 pounds so far, that in five weeks at 48 years old, I'm graduating with my master's degree. And so (laughs) in teaching nursing, nevertheless, if you would have told me that I would have an amazing career at almost six figures and that I would be healthy in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart, I would have said, you're a damn lie. And that's exactly (laughs) what I would have said. Because I was just this just jacked up, as they say, person. But I just want people to know that just because my favorite saying is, your temporary or current situation is not a life sentence. It's not a life sentence. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I think Kyle, he he said something, you know, some advice someone gave to him was the person that, you know, with the suicide thing, the person you that you would you would kill is not is not the person you would would become. You don't give yourself a chance, you know. It's not the person. Right. It's not the person that you need to be. So, it's well, this has been incredible. I I I love talking to you and thank you so much. It's so inspirational and congratulations on all of the all of the things, you know, and congratulations on mastering the art of the uh, addiction to food and battling against that. Um, uh, you know, we've again we've covered lots of lots all all sorts of um, addictions uh, and obsessions along the way. Um, and I'm very. And fam- food addiction is food addiction is the only thing that you can legally do. You can legally eat yourself to death. Yeah, you can. That's extraordinary. Legally, they'll let you do it. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, you won't go to jail either for it. Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. And yeah, and and, um, and good luck with the book. Um, you're writing Thank the you. you're writing the book, but you haven't completed the book. Is that correct? I'm planning to release it uh, in May. The whole purpose behind what I do and the public speaking I do 
I have an amazing opportunity. I go to drug rehab centers. I go to juvenile detention centers. I get a lot, a lot of opportunities to speak, and I'm very thankful for that. It's to tell people, I promise you, just because it's dark, it's always darkest right before the dawn of the sun. Oh. Don't give up. I think we have to. You're not alone. Yeah, we say that a lot. We're not. You know, but gosh, doesn't it feel like you are when you're in the depths of it? Um, it? It feels like nobody can understand and you have the worst life ever and it's never going to get better. You can't see your way out. And then what happens? The light comes and you're like, wow, I go this way. Yeah. But it's an amazing opportunity. You know, just from the COVID and what we've experienced over the last 12 months, what an amazing opportunity to wake up. Yes. If you wake yes. up, you still have purpose. Yeah. Get out and find it and do it and live and, and smell the roses and walk barefoot in the grass and just experience life. Don't just let life happen to you. Wow. Get out and live it. Oh, my God. I, we have to end there because that was just perfect. Thank you for coming on, Shelley. It's been wonderful talking to you. It's been wonderful being with you. Thank you so much.